them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Remember, we are, in effect, the show for the morning shows. We are the cleanup hitter. And as you can tell, listening to many of the earlier shows all over the country, we lay out the case, and they try and make it as best as they can. And I want to tell you something. I've been trying to remember to tell you this since Monday. And finally, here we go. And it's very exciting. Again, this was sent to me Monday. Today's Wednesday, so I've unfortunately failed to do it on time. We're giving you a new way to listen to the Mark Levin Show in 2018. You can now hear me on your Amazon Echo device. Your Amazon Echo device. Just say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. And you'll connect with me instantly. After that, whenever you want my great words of wisdom, just say, Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. Now, for more information, go online to marklevinshow.com, marklevinshow.com, and search the keyword Alexa. But one more time, just say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill on your Amazon Echo device, and you'll connect with me instantly. And then after that, whenever you want my great words of wisdom, as we say, just say, Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. So again, go to marklevinshow.com and search the keyword Alexa. What I've always tried to do with this program is put it on every platform and in every format that will accept us or that we can invent. Some hosts take the position that they want to limit it. Some hosts are not asked to get on every platform. We are on AM radio. We're on FM radio. That's our bread and butter. We are on satellite radio. Also our bread and butter. We're on, we created the Mark Levin app, which you can download and listen to on your, your, uh, cell phone and so forth. The iHeartRadio app carries the show. Uh, we are also now on, uh, Live streaming. You can download the show on your iPod and listen to it anytime. Now you can go through Amazon Echo device, as I just mentioned, your Amazon Echo device. And we're going to continue to use every platform possible to get the message out there. Every platform possible. Which is why we work so hard with our wonderful AM and FN affiliates to try and make sure that you can hear this show, most importantly, in real time. Our program directors are very, very good people, and we think this is very important. And a lot of you, millions of you, wait to listen to this program. And so we're giving you more and more ways to do it. And uh, we much appreciate it. We're going to talk more about immigration in hour two. Um, Like I told you last night, you will be able to discern who the pom-pom boys and girls are, who the Rockettes are, uh, on this issue. They will tell you have nothing to worry about. They will tell you that uh, we're going to get this and we're going to get that, and it's only the beginning of a process. You see, folks, if it's the beginning of a process, you need to participate. If it's the beginning of the process, we need to lay down our own markers. 
You don't just sit back and laugh it up and chuckle, chuckle, chuckle and talk about the right-wingers out there. Now, you know, I am a right-winger on immigration. Now, that's hilarious. I'm a right-winger on immigration because the president says he'll sign anything that they send him. I'm a right-winger on immigration. How am I a right-winger on immigration? Because I support enforcing our immigration laws? Since when is enforcing our immigration laws a right-wing agenda? Since when is opposing sanctuary cities a right-wing agenda? Since when is wanting a secure border so we can manage properly immigration in this country a right-wing agenda? Since when is demanding that federal judges, and we'll get to them in the next hour, follow the Constitution when it comes to immigration a right-wing agenda? Since when is insisting that the private sector comply with immigration laws when it comes to the hiring of people, when it comes to visas, a right-wing agenda? Since when is trying to protect the civil society and the American culture from the importation of other cultures without assimilation in this country a right-wing agenda? You're going to hear next hour from Harry Reid 25 years ago, a right-winger. Barbara Jordan, one of the most brilliant people to ever serve in the House of Representatives, an African-American lady from Houston. You're going to hear from her posthumously on video. We will play the audio. You're going to hear from others who apparently were right-wingers. Now, the in thing to do is to sell your country down the river. Now, the in thing to do is to redefine citizenship. Now, the in thing to do is to redefine what a wall is. And I'm a right-winger? No. Hardly. But before we get to that, the things going on in Congress with Bob Corker and in the White House at the NSC that had me gravely concerned on the Iran deal. This has snuck up on us. It may be uh, an issue tomorrow. And I'm looking at the Washington Free Beacon. I'm looking at the Weekly Standard. I'm looking at Breitbart, our buddy Joel Pollack. I'm looking at the Daily, uh, what am I, the Daily Caller. I'm looking at um, uh, the Associated Press. Has anybody discussed this today in talk radio? I don't know. Are they busy with their pom-poms and their rock cat dances? Turn to the left. Go, go. Turn to the right. Go, go. No. You need to hear this. This is a life and death matter with Iran getting nukes and ICBMs and threatening the United States. This is a deal Obama put together. This is a deal that Bob Corker greased the skids for. And I just read today that Bob Corker and the president have, uh, well, they have another bromance going, ladies and gentlemen. They've made up, unfortunately. The great reporter Adam Credo over at Free Beacon, senior White House officials, and congressional leadership are scrambling to save the Iran nuclear deal and convince President Donald Trump to again waive key sanctions on the Islamic Republic, despite opposition, according to multiple sources working on the matter, who spoke to the Washington Free Beacon. Please listen, this is important stuff. We're not going to talk about Oprah today. We're not going to talk about Steve Bannon. Enough of that already. The White House is facing down a weekend deadline 
by which it must waive key economic sanctions on Iran in order to preserve the nuclear accord. While Trump has expressed frustration about the need to save the deal, senior national security officials are working to convince him that waiving these sanctions is the best course of action. And I understand it's H.R. McMaster himself. And I'm trying to figure out who else, and I will alert you to them when I do. On the congressional front, Senator Bob Corker is said to be working with Senate Democrats on new legislation to hold Iran accountable for its ongoing ballistic missile construction and other rogue activities. That bill, sources say, is failing to gain traction among Republicans due to what many described as a range of flaws that mainly serve to lock in the Iranian nuclear deal and prevent Trump from abandoning it. This guy, Corker, is the worst of the worst. He is the worst of the worst. The latest efforts involve a legislative push that would preserve the nuclear deal, not only in the short term, but limit the ability of the president and future presidents to ever exit the deal. It's pretty clear the people around the president are trying to sell him on Iranian Potemkin village of sorts, said one source close to both the White House and congressional negotiations on the matter. There's no legislation that would fix the deal on the table. Only legislation that would lock in the deal and even make it worse on issues like ICBM missiles. Any legislation produced by Corker and Senator Ben Cardin, left-wing Democrat Maryland, will fail to garner support from Republican opponents of the deal, it is reported, such as Ted Cruz, Tom Cotton, and Marco Rubio, the source said. Can't anybody get through to the president and let him know that Corker Cardin will be opposed by most everyone on the right, the source asked in frustration. A spokesman for Corker told the Free Beacon that he continues to work with the White House on legislation to address pressing gaps in the Iran nuclear deal. And who's he working with? H.R. McMaster. And I want to know who else. Senator Corker remains engaged in productive discussions with the White House. And now when they say White House, they don't mean Trump. They mean staffers, some of whom are leakers. And a number of his colleagues in the Senate about the appropriate path forward, and our allies continue to be updated on relevant developments, Corker's spokesman said. As tension and discontent grows on the issue, some Republicans have proposed alternative plans that they believe would crack down on Iran's intransigent behavior and provide Trump with a pathway to abandon the deal and reimpose all sanctions on Iran. U.S.-Iran policy is facing a pivotal moment, and U.S. policymakers must have a laser-like focus on our objectives to permanently prevent Iran from a nuclear weapons capability, to combat Iran's support for terrorism, and to support those Iranian people in the streets protesting for a freer, more hopeful future, Representative Peter Roskam of Illinois said. Another source involved in the negotiations told the Free Beacon that the House's version of new legislation exposes key weaknesses with the efforts spearheaded by Corker and Cardin in the Senate. The House version of the bill, more than anything else, shows how hollow the Corker-Cardin law is, and uh, said the source who's discussed the issue with the White House. The House language is actually strong anti-Iran language and shows House Republicans will never accept the loopholes and pro-deal language that's coming from the Senate side. The thing is dead on arrival. 
Now, the legislation being pushed by Corker and Cardin in the Senate and other of their allies is being billed as a legislative fix to the Iran nuclear arrangement, the agreement, which has required the president to publicly certify Iran as in compliance with the deal every 90 days, even when it's not. That requirement has caused increasing friction in the White House as senior national security officials and Secretary of State Rex Tillerson work to convince an increasingly frustrated president that he preserve a deal the president believes is flawed, sources said. The White House is seeking to strip the 90-day recertification requirement from any new piece of legislation. While the bill is still in the works, sources said that Corker is privately telling the White House I hope you're following this, because it's a life and death matter. Uh, let's see here. Let me make sure I have the right page here. Okay. Uh, while the bill is still in the works, sources said that Corker is privately telling White House officials the legislative effort is much further along than it actually is. At this point, Republican leaders such as Tom Cotton are not willing to back the bill, which would need his support in order to move forward, multiple sources said. All right, we're in the middle of a sellout led by Bob Corker, who has always supported this law while lying that he doesn't. Bob Corker, listen to me, you remember, Bob Corker created the process that bypassed the treaty provision of the Constitution. Bob Corker created the process with the support of Mitch McConnell, and I'm sick and tired of the Judicial Crisis Network of running pro-Mitch McConnell pieces on the Fox News Channel. Don't they have any self-respect? Don't they know McConnell across the board is lousy? We're getting federal judges because of Grassley, not McConnell. I'm sick and tired of these sellouts. At least have some integrity. Bob Corker not only, with McConnell's backing, hello America, he not only bypassed the treaty provision, he made the statute in such a way, he drew it up in such a way, where we needed a supermajority of senators, a veto-proof majority of senators, to stop the Iran deal. Let's go to the weekly standard. President Trump must now decide whether to waive sanctions in coming days. Legislation that attempts to make good on President Trump's October demand to fix the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran is still facing obstacles days before Trump is due to decide whether to issue sanction waivers that would keep the agreement alive or kill it. Trump has repeatedly, begrudgingly waived sanctions lifted under the deal, only to be hit with a congressionally mandated deadline to report on whether Iran is meeting four deal-related conditions. He refused to certify one of those conditions in October, you'll recall, Namely, that continued sanctions relief to Iran is proportionate to the measures taken by Iran under the deal. Upon announcing that decision, Trump warned that he would terminate the agreement if administration officials working with Congress and European allies fail to fix its flaws. So now what's happening? They are pretending to fix its flaws. Rex Tillerson, who was always against what the president did in October. H.R. McMaster. Apparently doing exactly the same thing. Bob Corker, Ben Cardin, a Democrat. This is a huge problem. It's a growing problem. And they're trying to press these Republicans. I will be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Bush just informed me that it's not only Rex Tillerson, it's not only H.R. McMaster, but it's also Mattis, Mr. Mad Dog, who never seems to be mad. And this is the advice the president's getting. Corker's working with them very, very closely with McMaster's office. My source is in the White House, by the way, and there's two of them. And it's worse than this. The latest effort involves a legislative push that would preserve the nuclear deal not only in the short term, but limit the ability of Trump and future presidents to ever exit the deal. There is also dispute over portions of the bill that would allow Congress to use a simple majority to override any decision by the president to fully reimpose sanctions on Iran. Now that is flatly unconstitutional, which is... uh, which is par for the course with Mr. Corker. He does not like the Constitution. He does not like the Treaty Clause. The President runs our foreign policy. If Congress wants to defund something, they can defund something. Of course, they never do. Congress wants to declare war on somebody, they can declare war on somebody. But the President runs our foreign policy. The President runs our foreign policy. I remember when the left tried to do this to Reagan. Instead, we have Corker doing it. The champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now. 877-381-3811. Let me tell you how this is lining up so far among the big players in and around the White House. The Secretary of State, of course, he appeases immediately. The Secretary of Defense, unfortunately, when it's come to the Sarandale, he's been appeasing immediately and he's doing exactly that now. H.R. McMaster is working very, very closer, close with uh, Corker. He's appeasing. Uh, one of the men who has actually been very good on this has been the chief of staff to the president, General Kelly. And good for him. You know, the first time I met Donald Trump was, was when, not the first time I spoke to him, the first time I met him was when he was candidate. Well, before he was candidate Trump, actually. And uh, he attended the anti-Iran deal rally. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Several years ago. It was big on the south lawn of the White House. There had been 25, 30, 40,000 people there. And I had the honor of speaking there, as did others. Ted Cruz spoke there, and Donald Trump spoke there. All vehemently opposed to this. If the president listens to those members of his administration that I mentioned, as opposed to General Kelly and others, he will effectively be embracing the Obama approach to the Iran deal, as uh, Joel Pollack puts it over at Breitbart. And he's correct. These fake changes, which, uh, which will be said to be enormous and wonderful and so forth, will also tie the hands of the president and future presidents. How do you tie the hands of the president and future presidents in dealing with Iran, ICBMs, and nuclear warheads? I just want to be as clear as I know how, because I know a lot of people, eyes are up. Hey, come on, let's get on to something fun. Please listen to me. North Korea has nuclear weapons now. North Korea has ICBMs now. North Korea can hit the United States now. And they are showing muscle every single day. 
So a throwback regime that starves its people, that has a minuscule G, uh, 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 gross domestic product of $40 billion, can still build ICBMs, put nuclear warheads on the tip, and shoot them into the United States. Not just Guam. Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. One guy, one nut job. Iran is getting to that point. We like to say, how did these past presidents allow North Korea to get where North Korea is? Now you know how. Look at Bob Corker. Look at Ben Cardin. Look at the Democrats and many of the Republicans in Congress. Look at the president's advisor, Mr. Tough Dog, Mad Dog Mattis. Mr. General, H.R. McMaster. Mr. ExxonMobil, tough guy, Rex Tillerson. Who never saw a pro-American foreign policy he didn't like. A complete puppet of the bureaucracy. One of Bob Corker's top aides who helped make this outrageous deal. Serves as a top official to the Secretary of State. How the hell did that happen? And a handful of people who are fighting it, who understand. This is why it was important to have John Bolton as Secretary of State or John Bolton as National Security Council Director. This is why it's important to have some people who have the presidents here other than just General Kelly. Who are walking them through these things and explaining these things in foreign policy. The president campaigned on canning the Iran deal. The president campaigned on canning DACA. This isn't right-wing stuff. This is the right stuff. I heard a commentator on Fox today say, you know, these right-wingers, I don't understand them, these hardliners. We're going to get chain migration eliminated. We're going to get the lottery eliminated. Uh, we're going to get so-and-so deported. And, so, and I'm thinking to myself, when did that happen? These are proposals. These are proposals. When President Reagan got in legislation, in Simpson-Mazzoli, not just amnesty, but in the federal statute, the building and securing of the southern border, the Democrats held the money back. How many more times are we going to get screwed here before we understand what's to... Don't worry, Mark. Don't worry. This is four levels of chess. This isn't four levels of chess. This is tiddlywinks. We're always negotiating on the Democrats' terms because we have sellouts like Bob Corker. Because we have sellouts on immigration like Lindsey Graham. We're always on defense. Now let me tell you about this radio business as it applies to this president and how this works. Many of my brothers and sisters in this business understand that it's a much easier life as a talk show host to go along. To just go along. To be a Pollyanna. It's just easier. It's easier. And it may even help your ratings. But I want to give them some advice. Unsolicited, of course. Because they're listening. I've been doing this a long time. Not as long as some of them, but a long time. I'm in a time slot 
when I was told this program and program of this sort of any kind could never survive. Dinner time on the East Coast and parts of the, uh, the rest of the country. There never had been a successful nationally syndicated talk show host. Never. From 6 to 9 p.m. in this country. They tried many. And they failed. Other radio companies with networks tried to run people against. This isn't about me. I just want you to listen. I'm making a point. And they have every one they have thrown at me has failed. All seven of them. Every single one. One guy I was up against is a big mouth. He couldn't beat me, so they moved his show out for 6 p.m. too. Now, why is that? In part, in part, it's because you have to be true to yourself. And the audience knows when you're a buffoon. The audience knows when you're a chameleon. You can say, as I told you many years ago, and as I this and I that. The audience knows. You know that what took place in the Oval Office yesterday is very troubling. Very troubling. You know that this Iran deal is a direct threat to our cities, to our people in this country, and could one day result in an all-out war where you send your kids and your grandkids over to the Middle East again. We do not want Iran turning into another North Korea. By the way, if Iran gets missiles with warheads on them, they're even more dangerous than North Korea. North Korea hasn't talked about conquering the world and spreading their ideology. That little bum is just trying to hold on to power. The Iranian regime, the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, has as its primary purpose for existing expansion. North Korea does not, even though it's constantly threatening South Korea. Iran has moved into Iraq. Iran has moved into Syria. Iran has moved into Yemen. Iran has moved into Lebanon. While the ISIS caliphate dies, the Iranian caliphate grows and gets more and more powerful. We've given them $150 billion to build up their armaments, to build up their technologies. They starve their own people. They deny their own people who'd like nothing more than to overturn that government. But Bob Corker and Ben Cardin and Mad Dog Mattis and Rex Tillerson and all the rest of them think the status quo is fine. I just want to remind the president, remember that rally that you attended. Remember what you said. Rely on the right people for advice. Talk to John Bolton. Talk to Tom Cotton. And even in this instance, talk to Marco Rubio. Uh, you must be a neocon. Oh, wow, what an argument. The neocons hate my guts. This isn't about being a neocon. We have a terrorist state that has killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of American soldiers. We have a terrorist state that keeps threatening to blow us off the face of the earth. We have a terrorist state that has tried to humiliate us and taking our sailors off the high seas. We have a terrorist state that's threatening our allies. And rather than work to overthrow that state, 
which is teetering if we would push it. Obama saved it. Bob Corker saved it. If this is the worst deal in the history of deals, as the president has said, then why keep putzing around with it? Why keep playing games? You know, this show is heard throughout America, every corner of the country. It's heard all over the world. I'm talking to the bus drivers in Chicago. I'm talking to the taxi drivers in New York. I'm talking to the cops in L.A. I'm talking to the farmers in Kansas. I'm talking to the commercial fishermen in New England. I am talking to all of you. This isn't some distant issue. This isn't some theory or abstraction, some foreign policy. It is a foreign policy which directly affects us. And I am gravely concerned that conservative media is not conservative media. It has become appeasement media. Accepting whatever the Republican establishment is now sending to the president or arguing that the president should do. If you are a constitutional conservative, if you believe in liberty, if you believe that the United States military is being eviscerated, if you believe that our borders are being eviscerated, if you are sick and tired of our soldiers being abused by the enemy, if you're sick and tired of our sailors being abused by the enemy, as these rogue states get more and more nukes or the capacity for nukes, you better wake the hell up. Enormous amount of damage has been done to this country while the Republicans have controlled one or both branches of Congress. And in some cases, the presidency. Why? Why so much attention to fixing the Iran deal, a deal that is unfixable? Why so much attention on illegal alien dreamers and not American citizen dreamers? Why so much attention to the progressive left's agenda? Why? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, I can't tell you how much I would prefer to be behind the microphone and be on offense. Offense for liberty, offense for the Constitution, offense for national security. Trust me on this. It's easier. It's easier on the mind. It's easier on the heart. It's easier on the soul. But I couldn't live with myself if I acted like half of these other radio and TV hosts. I couldn't. I just could not. Goals for 2018, I've got them, but I can only achieve them if I'm well-rested. And thankfully, I have a Casper mattress helping me get a great night's sleep every night. The Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and comfort so you feel perfectly balanced. And thanks to the breathable material, you're guaranteed to sleep coolly. Plus, the mattresses are built to last for years. Now, basically, since I've gotten my Casper, I've gotten the best sleep ever. So I know 2018 is going to be a great year. Try Casper yourself for 100 nights in your own home, risk-free. They ship it to you for free in a compact box. Plus, if you don't love it, 
You don't have to put it back in that tiny box. They come pick it up and refund you everything, no questions asked. Start your year off right with a guaranteed great night's sleep every night. Get a Casper. Try yours for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Let me just tell you, this is truly the greatest mattress I've ever had. In addition to producing the greatest mattress that there is, and I'm serious about this, Casper has also created the best service that has ever existed. You get to try their mattress for over three months in your home. On top of that, if you decide you don't like it, you get to send it back absolutely risk-free at no charge to you. They've completely changed this entire industry with their product and their service. You really should take advantage of this. You can go to casper.com slash mark, and then you got to use the code mark to save 50 bucks on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark, and then add code mark. Again, you'll save 50 bucks on the purchase of select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. I really hope you try it out. I went to my back surgeon the other day. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. He's a great patriot. And he and much of his family came here from Iran. I have a lot of friends who are Persians, Iranians. And uh, he did such a wonderful job in taking care of my L5 disc. I think that's the nomenclature. You might re- recall that first it was a slip disc. It went under the, uh, the nerve. And then it exploded. And it hurt like hell. And he took care of it. And I went back yesterday after a bunch of x-rays were taken, <clears throat> just pro forma. And uh, the problem now is we have bone on bone since that disc is essentially uh, has been dissolved. And so we'll see how that goes for a while. But I get aches in my back now. I'm not complaining. I know it's not a nursing home. I'm explaining. So I get aches in my back right now. And I want to tell you something. When I get into... Our bed, the Casper mattress, gives me enormous relief. This is just one man's opinion. Enormous relief. That's how much I like this bed and this mattress. And I'm quite serious about it. I am lucky they're a sponsor because I might not have otherwise purchased it and had the ability to communicate it to you. And I was the first major nationally syndicated radio show that they came to. And I needed to try out that mattress. There's another member of the family who loves the Casper mattress. Barney, my dog. They have a Casper mattress for pets. And I have three beds strategically placed throughout the house. That is his favorite spot. And he has a bad back. He's had major surgery. Just pointing it out. Give it a thought. Give it a try. So what do you think about the Saran deal? that is uh, going to be enshrined, and you're going to be told uh, all the strict procedures that have been put in place, thanks to Bob Corker. Has Bob Corker ever put strict procedures in place to defend this nation from Iran? Quite the opposite. Ben Cardin, who is a left-wing kook from Maryland, has he ever put strict procedures in anything to protect us from Iran? No, he's a complete sellout. He's disgusting. Now we're... Redefining the word wall, next thing you know what? We're going to redefine the word is. I just wish they'd be honest with us. Just tell us, look, we said we're going to do an entire wall. We're not. We said the Mexican government's going to pay for it. It's not. 
I said I was going to eliminate DACA. I'm not. Whoa, don't worry. Now we're going to get rid of chain migration. We're going to get rid of the lottery. We're going to get rid of all this stuff. I hear it. I hear it. I know what the Democrats do even when we pass laws. It's called nullification, sanctuary cities, and all the rest. I'll be right back. underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader mark levin hello ladies and gentlemen mark levin here our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811 exciting reminder a new way to listen to the Mark Levin Show this year. You can hear me now on your Amazon Echo device. Your Amazon Echo device. Just say, Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. Enable the Mark Levin Show skill. And you'll connect with me instantly. And after that, whenever you want to listen to this show, you just say, Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. And you can get more information at marklevinshow.com, marklevinshow.com, and search Keyword Alexa. Alexa. So, Amazon Echo device, say Alexa, enable the Mark Levin Show skill. You'll connect instantly with my show. And after that, whenever you want to listen, all you say is Alexa, open Mark Levin Show. Again, you can get all this information at marklevinshow.com. Search the keyword Alexa. Isn't modern technology amazing? We do it here on radio. I do it with Levin TV, with digital TV. It's absolutely amazing how many ways we can reach each other. Now let's move to immigration. We have a federal judge by the name of William Alsop in San Francisco who is another disgrace. He's ruled that the President of the United States cannot end DACA, which was instituted unconstitutionally as another federal judge ruled by Barack Obama through a fiat. So the President of the United States is not free to eliminate DACA. And the President before him was free to impose it unconstitutionally. Our courts are completely out of control like so much of this government. And Josh Blackman, who's an excellent uh, thinker and writer, writing at National Review on, online, he's also a professor of law, constitutional law, at South Texas College of Law in Houston. Adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute. Says on January 20, 2017, the executive power peacefully transitioned from President Obama to President Trump. At least one judge in San Francisco didn't get the memo. Yesterday, Judge William Alsup, A-L-S-U-P, ordered the Trump administration to keep its predecessor's Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals DACA program in place. This remarkable, and I would argue pathetic, 49-page order has all the aesthetics of a judicial decision, but is at heart an amateur act of punditry. Judge Alsop paints the picture of a divided White House, wherein the, quote, chief executive publicly favors the very program his administration has ended. Citing a presidential tweet, the court suggests that DACA's rescission, quote, was contrived to give the administration a bargaining chip to demand funding for a border wall in exchange for reviving DACA. Now, these points have been plagiarized from MSNBC Cron, 
Such rhetoric in a judicial decision would have been unthinkable barely a year ago. But now it passes for the new normal. Once again, the judiciary has attempted to shackle President Trump from making his own judgments about how to exercise the power of the presidency. The Supreme Court has reversed Judge Alsop's outlandish rulings on DACA before, and it will do so again. Did you know that? If you're reading the, the phony, big lie meat, you wouldn't even know that. The Supreme Court has does that. In 2012, the Obama administration announced an executive action known as DACA. This policy deferred the deportation of the so-called dreamers, aliens who entered the United States as minors but were not lawfully present, and granted them work authorization and other federal benefits. Two years later, the president once again turned to the pen and phone to create a similar deferred action policy for the parents of U.S. citizens. DAPA, as this second program became known, was successfully challenged in the court and never went into effect. That's DAPA, I should say. D-A-P-A. So Obama did it for the kids, and then he tried to do it for the parents. The parents, that never went into effect. So here we have Obama legislating out of his office. The Obama administration, by its best lights, determined that DAPA and DACA were lawful. The Trump administration reached the opposite conclusion and moved to rescind both policies. In a normal world, that decision would have been the end of the matter. But in the bizarro world we find ourselves in, a federal judge has now informed the Trump administration that it must keep DACA in effect. Judge Alsop based his decision on the fact that the executive branch offered only a pithy conclusion that the agency had exceeded its statutory and constitutional authority, which makes uh, which was a mistake of law. Specifically, the court ruled that the Trump administration decision was arbitrary, capricious, and abuse of discretion, or not otherwise in accordance with the law. Reading this serious charge, one would suspect that President Trump scrawled his legal defense on the back of a cocktail napkin with a sharpie. Hardly. In October 2017, Attorney General Jeff Sessions determined that DACA was implemented without proper statutory authority, that it was an open-ended circumvention of immigration laws. Not only was this policy a violation of the Immigration and Nationality Act, but it was an unconstitutional exercise of authority by the executive branch. Sessions reaffirmed his duty to defend the Constitution and to faithfully execute the laws passed by Congress. Sessions added that the proper enforcement of, an immigration, of immigration laws is, as President Trump consistently said, critical to the national interests and the restoration of the rule of law in our country. Sessions' analysis was premised on a decision from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which two years earlier had ruled that DAPA was in fact unlawful. In May 2015, in halting DAPA, D-A-P-A, the Fifth Circuit assumed the program would be implemented in a way similar to DACA, and had been, as a blanket measure akin to legislation, not a case-by-case exercise of presidential discretion and prosecutorial discretion. This opinion strongly suggested that DACA for the kids, so-called, you know, kids in the mid-30s, which was not being challenged, was illegal as well. As even Judge Alsop was forced to concede, quote, at least some of the Fifth Circuit's reasoning for holding DAPA, D-A-P-A, illegal, would apply to DACA. In fact, DACA's legality was on even shakier footing than DAPA, because dreamers did not need to have any familiar relationship with an American citizen to receive lawful presence. Unlike this DAPA, DACA could not be justified as a family reunification measure, 
but could only be defended on what the Obama administration described as humanitarian concerns. This is no doubt a legitimate policy argument, but in no sense is it a binding command to the Trump administration. The Fifth Circuit's ruling was appealed to the Supreme Court, where the justices split four to four following Justice Scalia's passing. Had Justice Scalia been on the bench, I'm confident the challenge would have prevailed. And now Judge Gorsuch is, and I'm confident it would today. I'm adding. So in a normal world, it would be entirely rational for the Attorney General to wind down DACA, D-A-C-A, which was the model for DAPA, based on a ruling against DAPA. And it goes on. Judge Alsop next argues that DAPA and DACA are different because citizen children can petition for citizenship for their parents, whereas the Dreamers had no pathway to lawful presence. That argument actually undermines the DACA legality. Congress has viewed DAPA with a P, beneficiaries more favorably as a class, and it goes on with these legal points that are very, very important. In any event, these contrived quibbles are irrelevant. President Trump does not need to persuade every single federal district judge about DACA's illegality before holding it. And by the way, there's about a thousand of them. Judge Alsop, who continues a disturbing recent trend, failed to afford the deference due to a coordinate branch of government in making legal determinations. Trump has the electoral mandate to reverse the decisions of his predecessor and the constitutional obligation to assess the constitutionality of his actions. The judgment here, premised on a decision of a federal court of appeals, provides more than enough basis to justify the rescission of DACA. Furthermore, the president's determination that an exercise of his own power was unconstitutional warrants the court's solicitude. That is a decision for the president to make in consultation with his advisor. The point is, we have a president now that says, We had a president before him who conducted himself illegally. He's allowed to make that judgment. Judge Alsop completely ignored the constitutional issue, focusing exclusively on the statutory question. Indeed, I'm unable to think of any decision where a court has ordered a president to exercise discretionary authority that he has deemed unconstitutional. In other words, he's ordering the president to do something that the president has deemed unconstitutional. That is, his predecessor's unconstitutional fiat. The government has already announced it's going to appeal this ruling. While the Ninth Circuit is unlikely to provide any relief, the Supreme Court has already signaled its dissatisfaction with Judge Southup's rulings. Last fall, he ordered the Trump administration to turn over internal White House documents concerning why DACA was canceled. The government filed an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court urging the justices to shield the executive branch documents from judicial scrutiny. Then the case got weirder. In what the New York Times described as an unusual move, Judge Alsop filed his own brief in which he told the justices that the government leaves the court with an incorrect impression. And the writer says, I was unable to find any Supreme Court rule that permits a federal judge to file a brief in an appeal of his own ruling. Judge Alsop's strange advocacy didn't impress the justices either. Last month, without recorded dissent, the Supreme Court rebuffed his effort to review internal documents. Not that it mattered, because he was still able to halt the president's actions based on the limited record before him. This is now common, common, where judges demand access to internal deliberative documents. And when rebuffed, rule against the president anyway, evinces the feeling of a show trial. It is no wonder the Supreme Court took the unusual step of intervening in a discovery dispute. 
we have these rogue federal district judges, ladies and gentlemen, hundreds and hundreds of them. And they have decided that they are at war with the President of the United States. There is so much wrong with what is going on in this country that it is very, very difficult to call it a constitutional republic in any really serious and substantive way when you have judges doing this sort of thing. It really is incredible. When if you support the rule of law that you didn't pass, but the future Congress passed, excuse me, past Congress has passed, and you're called a right-winger for supporting it, when you oppose nullification by cities of federal immigration law, when you want our border secure to protect the American people and demand assimilation of people who come here from other countries, when you fight the Democrats who insist that any dollar increase for the Marines must be met with a dollar increase for food stamps, when you say it is absolutely appalling, absolutely appalling, that, uh, that the prior president made possible $150 billion in, in financial transfers to the Iranian government, and that the President of the United States should uphold his promise to reject that deal, and so forth and so on. Very, very difficult. We'll be right back. Political realignment take place within the Republican Party. I have to, I have to admit, and it's happened very, very quickly. Very, very quickly. The most conservative president since Ronald Reagan, I think, Donald Trump, is now moving into Lindsey Graham territory. And Lindsey Graham was just on Fox. I've never seen him so happy. And he's attacking, you know, talk radio hosts and people who go on TV and want to sell books. And so this is Lindsey Graham. He won't debate the issues in any substantive, direct way. He's a name caller and he dismisses. Dismisses you if you want to engage him. If Lindsey Graham is really, really this happy, one of the leaders of the Gang of Eight, uh, you should be very concerned. And talk show hosts and radio commentators uh, are misleading you. They're misleading you if they don't tell you to really start focusing on this. And I want to speak to my buddy Daniel Horowitz, one of the great writers at Conservative Review, uh, really an expert on immigration. He's written about it at great extent. Daniel, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, and thanks for having me on and getting me out of bedtime tonight. Well, let me ask you something. He's got little kids. That's what he's talking about. Um, first things first, what did you think of the president's uh, meeting with mostly amnesty supporters in the Oval Office yesterday. You know, it's like drinking coffee with a fork with him. You kind of get it, and then it's just so elusive. On the one hand, he has spoken to a lot of the philosophy on immigration that you laid out last night that no other show is willing to address. He's, he's addressed it before, but then he'll come the next day and literally undermine every talking point of putting American sovereignty, America's security first, and make the amnesty the imperative and the security the elective rather than the other way around. Since when is national sovereignty, assimilation, following the rule of law, a right-wing agenda, Daniel? You know, I, I cannot figure this out. Obviously, you saw from Bill Clinton, Harry Reid, Barbara Jordan back in the 90s, this used to be universal. You had big government liberals that wanted socialism for America, but they understood intuitively that the 
underpinnings of the social contract dictate you must take care of your own citizens and you must put them first. You know, I had one of the few good members of Congress text me last night, and he said he's never seen his colleagues so happy with so much alacrity, such a sense of urgency to do things for illegals, and he's never seen that for American citizens. And there's about 10, 15 emergency issues on immigration, from refugee and asylum and UACs and the MS-13 crisis, the criminal alien sanctuary city crisis. What about a sanctuary fix? What about DACA deferred action from criminal aliens for America? It's like we can only discuss those issues as a negotiating chip for amnesty. It's not even as a standalone, even though that's required and promised to the American people. Are you a little concerned that the president has stopped making the case to the American people, but instead he talks more about DACA than he does anything else related to immigration? That's exactly what concerns me. I'm not so concerned about him ultimately signing on to a legislative amnesty bill, but I do fear that the outcome is he'll, he'll just administratively extend it, and then obviously the courts are a big problem. Um, but but messaging is everything. He has a big bully pulpit, and you cannot do it on the cheap. You have to lead. You have to make the American people understand our position because if Trump doesn't do it, no one's going to do it. Nobody gives our side to the story that we're strangers in our own land, that America has become a dumping ground. It, it, all we hear about is a bunch of you know I was going to say poor, but a bunch of uh, educated, best citizens in the history of the world. Americans think these people are great. Nobody is presenting the other side of the story. It's very, very odd how our immigration laws are blithely violated. And judges enshrine these violations with these sanctuary cities. Judges themselves violate the Constitution and existing statutes in order to do these sorts of things. We have a deeper problem here, don't we? We have a, a we have widespread lawlessness taking place. You know, at the end of last year, I did an article, the 12 most insane court opinions of 2017, and it was very hard to narrow it down to 12. This is a huge problem, as you noted. It's much deeper than immigration, but I think it's most prominent with immigration. Just over the past couple of weeks, district judges have mandated that Trump continue Obama's contraception mandate. They've required Trump to give access to abortions for illegals who come here just for the purpose of having abortions. They've invalidated deportations of criminal aliens. They've required bail for illegals. They're giving them all sorts of rights. We are on the cusp of a Roe and Obergefell-style court opinion on immigration, and that's very scary. Can you hold on till after the break, Daniel Horowitz? Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back. Is that a copy of the Constitution you've got? Are you just happy to see Mark Levin? Call him now at 877-381-3811. You know, I love our uh, 2010 Camaro. It was the reintroduction of the Camaro by uh, Chevy and General Motors. It's a great car. It's getting old, obviously. It's reached that age where things are starting to go wrong. I don't worry about those problems anymore, though. Not since I got extended vehicle service protection from CarShield. Getting covered by CarShield is such a great idea. It's affordable protection that can save you thousands for a covered repair. 
A new fuel pump costs over $500. Replacing a water pump, well, that's over $1,000. And if you need repairs uh, to a control arm or a torque converter, stuff most of us never heard of until it breaks, now we're talking thousands of dollars to fix. They even have plans that cover your car's computer, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield's the ultimate in extended coverage, and they get your favorite mechanic or dealership paid directly, so you don't have to get in the middle of all that and subsidize it. Sign up today. Get 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop. Save yourself from high repair bills. Get covered by CarShield like I did before something goes wrong. Call 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. 800-CAR-6100, code L-E-V-I-N. Or visit their website, carshield.com, carshield.com, code LEVIN, code L-E-V-I-N, and you'll save 10%. Remember, 800-CAR-6100 or carshield.com, in both cases, code LEVIN, save 10%. A deductible may apply and a wonderful, wonderful service. And we're back with my buddy Dan Horowitz, Daniel Horowitz of uh, Conservative Review, who, who I consider an expert on many things, and particularly immigration. And you know... Daniel Horowitz, Central and South America are listening to this debate. And in part as a result of listening to this debate and the failure to start building a wall and other physical entities on the southern border, uh, crossings are way up again, aren't they? You know, it's funny. Proponents of the amnesty ironically always say, well, it's so hard to secure the border. This is just such a hard task. So the only way to do it is just to grant amnesty. And the irony is you don't even have to implement all the enforcement, just the attitude change. Uh, you know, to a large extent, you can't blame them. Our politicians haven't treated America like any other nation state. It's a joke. They don't defend our sovereignty, so they know they can come here, especially once you have a kid. You're here to stay. You drop a kid. They're automatically, erroneously viewed as a citizen. They could secure welfare on their behalf, so they're going to come. You end that practice, or you even signal an end to it, things will dry up. And based on the perception that Trump would begin uh, following the law, in the first three months of his presidency – uh, interdictions at the border, the um, you know apprehensions at the border declined to a generation low. It was just a trickle in April. But then, you know, as Trump started to equivocate, well, we got to do DACA, we got to fix it. Um, you know, the smugglers pay attention to this a lot more than even the Republican base does. And basically, every single month since then, the numbers have gone up and up, and now they're back at Obama levels. But particularly. The unaccompanied children and family units crossing have gone up 320 and 580 percent, respectively, since April. That tells me that they know that once you come here and have a child, even the president, even Trump and his rhetoric, doesn't have the appetite to enforce the law. I just saw an interview with Lindsey Graham during a couple of breaks ago. In which the host said to him, you know, the candidate runs more as a conservative. And then, you know, they realize that when they're president, they have to work with others. He said, yes, now he's president. He has to act. So in other words, what they're saying is, so what if the American people may have been lied to? So what if the American people are deceived? I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about anybody. Now we have to govern. What does that mean? You know, what's so sad about this is that they understand the American people don't want it. They understand their constituents don't wait, want it. Wait, wait, wait. Lindsey Graham's running around saying 62% of the Trump base supports this. Where is he getting that number from? A left-wing group, right? 
Well, it's the same thing that 90% of voters want um, expanded background checks on guns. But if you speak to Bill Clinton or Al Gore, they'll tell you that's a losing issue for them. I mean, they're, they're phony polls. They basically say, should we uh, you know, grant legal status to the greatest people in the history, but, the history but, of the But world? honestly, this is a figure that comes from this left-wing group called PPI, funded by left-wing billionaires and others. And we have Republicans throwing that number around. They threw it around during the meeting with Trump yesterday. The reporters, the hosts, they don't even say, where'd you get that 62% from? It's a made-up, it is a fake, fixed number. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, if, if that were true, they would have done this 13, 14 years ago. Uh, ever since, really, 2006, they've been trying... Uh, they're scared, and remember, even when Obama had full control, they declined to do this, which is why he did it executively. They always understood that the American people do not want this, and this is, you know, it's, it's completely bogus. And by the way, the exit polling on the presidential election proves this because Trump actually did much better um, in a lot of these states than Mitt Romney or John McCain did, despite his, you know, at least rhetorically, he was very strong on the issue. In other words, he did better with Hispanic voters. With Hispanic voters and blue-collar white voters. And blue-collar white voters. Um, well, this is very concerning to me. And Lindsey Graham thinks this is all terrific. Isn't that problematic? I mean, this guy has been pushing against immigration enforcement for almost his entire career. And what's very scary here is whereas the Democrat Party harnesses the power of their base, to advance their agenda, the Republican leaders like Lindsey Graham, they try to make an end run around their base. And what they're going to do is indulge our talking points. Here's a little bit of border. Here's a little bit of enforcement. They're even going to say, here's a little bit of chain migration reform. You know, one of the things to watch out for is they're creating a false law and knocking it down. They're saying we won't allow the amnestied aliens to bring in relatives as legal permanent residents. Well, I got news for you. Under current law, that's not a problem. You have to be a citizen anyway. So they make things up, and then they say, he, here, we, we gave you your uh, two pieces of, of chicken. Now, now give us our dessert. It's like I want to be clear what you're saying. Just because somebody is legalized, they can't cut into that chain migration yet. They have to become a citizen. Exactly. So they're repealing something that doesn't exist. I want you to listen for a moment. This is Barbara Jordan. You mentioned this, but we've pulled this from before. June 7, 1995. She was the chairman of a commission. She's a civil rights leader. She was from Houston. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady and, and intellectually honest and astute. She was put as head of a, a commission uh, several decades ago that Congress put together to try and figure out and get to the bottom of this immigration issue, something that would never be done today unless it's loaded with a bunch of left-winger and open-border types. I want America to hear this is a liberal, Democrat, African-American civil rights leader who was considered and is just a marvelous, marvelous woman on immigration 22 years ago. Cut one, go. Now let me turn to the issue of Americanization. That term earned a bad reputation when it was used back in the 20s. Nevertheless, we find it the best way to describe what the Commission believes to be an essential part of immigration policy, the civic incorporation of newcomers. The United States is the most successful multi-ethnic nation in history. It has united immigrants and their descendants from all over the world around a commitment to democratic ideals and constitutional principles. 
Naturalization is the most visible manifestation of Americanization. I have spoken at some length with Commissioner Meisner about her commitment to naturalization. She has been pushing this issue within the government since she assumed her responsibilities at INS. I applaud her resolve in this matter. She has reached out to the private sector to get their assistance in preparing legal immigrants for naturalization. Now let me use this platform to do the same thing she did. I urge private industry, churches, community groups, volunteer groups, individuals to redouble their efforts to provide English language instruction and civics education to immigrants. I remind immigrants that they too have a responsibility. They have responsibility to embrace the common core of American civic culture, civic values, and institutions. Not only don't we hear Democrats talking this way, I don't know of one Democrat in Congress who talks this way, Daniel Horowitz. We don't hear Republicans talking this way, do we? Oh, we don't even hear the most conservative ones. I mean, at best, they'll address the security and economic aspects, which are important. Oh, but oh boy, you, you, you can never discuss the cultural aspect. Uh, but she's, she's absolutely right. I mean, we have, we've reached a point in time where, you know, in California, 24.5% of the student body are considered what they call this acronym ELL, English Language Learners. Uh, meaning they're not proficient in English language. We have a balkanized country, and you know, listening to Barbara Jordan's words, I think that 22 years ago, we were at the foot of the mountain. Many of us would kill to go back to the demographics of 22 years ago. That was 25 million immigrants ago, not including all the backdoor amnesties. There's been five since 1995 that a lot of people forget, and everything else. Um, Middle East immigration was a trickle then. Now it's 170,000 a year, roughly. Nobody is even speaking to this, and we're told to shut up and just go along with amnesty. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Daniel Horowitz of the Conservative Review, I want you to listen to Bill Clinton at the State of the Union speech on January 4, 1995, just two years after Barbara Jordan made her speech. Cut to go. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. We are a nation of immigrants, but we are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. Wow, that's uh, Bill Clinton 22, 23 years ago. Do you know of any leading Democrat who wants to be president of the United States who would even dare to say that today? No, and like you mentioned, there's few Republicans. And, And notice how he talked about welfare benefits. 
what nobody is discussing here is, on the one hand, they say the DACA people are, again, the most productive people in the history of the, of, of the universe. But on the other hand, according to a Congressional Research Service memo, and this is already two years old when DACA wasn't fully functional, they were getting as, as much as 35000 in retroactive um, earned income tax credit benefits. These are the refundable you know, credits, welfare through the tax code, which, by the way, um, almost doubled under the new tax bill. Nobody's even putting this out there that, you know what, maybe if you're going to give amnesty and they're so productive, we should make it as part of the deal they don't get refundable tax credits. Let me ask you a question. Was Barbara Jordan a right-winger, hardliner? No, and that's the point. She, she was, was, uh, was, is Bill Clinton a right-wing hardliner? Well, maybe the Democrats would say he is now, but... It's certainly not. It certainly wasn't considered that. Uh, they nominated him and elected him twice. Uh, Harry Reid, right-winger, hardliner? Absolutely not. And I'll get to him next hour, and I've gotten to him before. But I just want to remind people how far we are sinking. Are we sinking on this subject, Daniel Horowitz, or not? Well, we're sinking in the toilet. And let's not forget Diane Feinstein and Chuck Schumer voted for 850 miles of double-layered fence in 2006. Mm-hmm. And so did Joe Biden. Where is it? It's why don't we just do that, Daniel Horowitz? Why don't we just say, you know what, Congress, why doesn't the president say, you fund that law of 12 years ago, and then we'll talk DACA. When I hear these pseudo-conservatives on radio, on TV, in passing, and I hear them say, oh, the administration's going to get... Uh, the elimination of chain migration and the elimination of the lottery and they're going to get the wall. That's a pretty damn good deal. Do we have that deal, Daniel Horowitz? It's kind of like Lucy and the football. We've said this a number of times. Show me the money. Let's see it. And the thing is, this is not an equal proposition. We are entitled to those things. There is no entitlement of amnesty for foreign nationals. Mm-hmm. We are entitled, which gets back to the point I put in all my books and I believe you have in yours. A nation of citizens gets to decide what happens to the nation. A, nat- a, a Nations of foreigners don't get to decide for us, do they? And that, that's a really important point. NBC just did an uh, expose on Russian um, to, uh, birth tourism, where a bunch of wealthy Russians... Chinese, too. Yeah, Russians and Chinese, and literally the media and the political class take it as a given that the Constitution says that you could unilaterally assert jurisdiction against the consent of the people and drop a baby, even prospectively, and there's not a darn thing we can do about it. And it's just absurd because, as as we all know, they're subject to the jurisdiction of Putin, not to our jurisdiction. All right, Daniel Horowitz at CR. Keep up the great work. I much appreciate it and love reading your stuff. God bless. Appreciate you. God bless. You too. Take care. Let me tell you something, folks. The idea that people can come into this country illegally and unilaterally claim jurisdiction under our Constitution is absurd, and nobody knows where that comes from. Nobody knows why that's the case, but we accept it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Borders and fences. Remember my little story I told you about trying to get a a relatively modest, a very modest fence in our backyard that really follows the uh, the line of the back deck. Remember that, Mr. Producer? Remember that, America? 
and we've gone through all the requirements of our homeowners association. Well, we're waiting for an outcome, our third attempt. And I will fill you in on what takes place. Apparently, I had a meeting yesterday, and part of the meeting was us. So we'll find out, and I will let you know about it, because I'm not giving up on this. That much I can tell you. You know, the holidays might be over, but the winter has just begun. And according to studies, the air indoors contains up to 100 times more pollution than the air outside. Obviously, this can cause illness, allergies, and unnecessary wear and tear in your HVAC system, leading to very costly repairs. Even worse, the re- premature replacement of an entire city. Have you ever replaced an HVAC system? One of those systems outside your house? It is a fortune. Resolve to breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped for free within 24 hours. And they're manufactured right here in America by a small family-owned company. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Mark, do you do this? I do it now. I'm a FilterBuy customer. And right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again. It's six months, eight months, nine months, three months. Do I need an air filter? You'll know because they'll track it for you. They'll take care of that. Save money, save time, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. It's that simple. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Why do you rush off to a Home Depot or Lowe's or anything to buy these filters? You'll get a, you know, any filter you need within one day from this wonderful company, this family-owned company here in the United States. And they will service you and do the very best they can. You'll get 5% off when you set up an auto delivery. So I strongly encourage you to do it like we've now done. You don't want to miss the next hour. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So... We're getting really dishonest propaganda from those now pushing amnesty on DACA. And it really is the obligation, particularly of our friends on Fox and other networks, to call these politicians out. When Lindsey Graham used that figure as 62% of Trump supporters support legalizing people, uh, these, these DACA uh, recipients, it's a lie. It comes from a left-wing organization that hates Trump and twists numbers, in my humble opinion. If something doesn't sound right, typically it's not. Not that that even matters. This isn't a matter of polls. It's a matter of law. Let's say 62% of the American people believed embezzlement was okay. Would that matter? Would that matter? We actually have elections of people who are opposed to 
open borders, they say they are, and then they flop? Why doesn't that matter to Lindsey Graham? And why do we give a damn? Is Lindsey Graham some kind of leader on this? Why, because he goes on TV? I want you to listen to this exchange. We're going to get to a number of other people, too. This is Elizabeth Warren and Mark Warner uh, on CNN today, and they've been all over the place. Cut four, go. These young dreamers are at peril only because President Trump broke America's promise. Uh, years ago, America promised that if these young people would come out of the shadows and they would be fully vetted, that they would have the opportunity to go to school here in America. They Let's have- just stop. I have no idea what this delusional leftist is talking about. None. It's America's promise if you come here illegally. What? What? Barack Obama violated the Constitution. The Democrats want more votes. It's that simple. As they push headstrong in their fundamental transformation of America from a beautiful, wonderful, liberty-loving, civil society and constitutional republic to some kind of imagined utopia that they want to concoct, like all those other wonderful utopias where people are starving to death and imprisoned. Go ahead. To get jobs, to join the military, to become a full part of the American fabric. And, and I think, that's what they started 97% of them are either going to school, work, yep. or in the military. That's that's stop. That's what I wanted to talk about. Mark Warner. 97% of them are either going to school or in the military. The last estimate I saw that the people who are considered DACA members in the 4 to 5 million range. And I just double-checked because I had remembered talking to you about this. Right now, 900 of them presently serve in the military. 900. And DACA recipients have been open to serving in the military since 2014. I have no problem with giving 900 of them serving in the military a special path towards legalization and citizenship. I've got no problem with that. But that's 900 today out of multi-millions of people that we're talking about. And there's Mark Warner saying 97% of them are either going to school or in the military. And I said, whoa, 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 that sounds kind of weird. Now, if these are true children, and they're not in most cases, because we're talking about 2007 and before. So many, many, many of them, their childhood is long past are not going to school. This is a concocted figure, 97%. Again, we're talking about 2007 and before. So what's going to happen now? Ten years since 2007. We're going to have another amnesty in two or three years with the same arguments made? Yes, we are. The nation is on a trajectory to losing Americanism and its culture. It's nothing to do about race. has to do with culture. And we must discuss this. People are fleeing failed cultures. People are fleeing societies that are despotic, where there's an enormous amount of crime. That's why Americanization, assimilation is so crucial. And it's never discussed if it's not discussed by me. And there you have Mark Warner lying through his 14 teeth. 97% of them are either going to school or in the military. He throws the military in there. 900, according to USA Today a few months ago. 
900 of the total figure are in the military. I thought we were talking about little kids, by the way. Did you notice? They're squirrely, these leftists. They're very, very squirrely. You heard the audio of Barbara Jordan, a fantastic person, really, who was in Congress. You heard what she had to say about Americanization and assimilation, and that people who come here, including legal immigrants, have a responsibility to this country. That's very, very important, isn't it? You heard me play Bill Clinton at his 1995 State of the Union address, and he made comments that no Democrat running for president will ever make again about illegal immigration. And his comments were pretty similar to what I say over this microphone, and they're now considered right-wing and hard-right. And then we've played this before because we dug it up. Harry Reid, many years ago we dug this up. Harry Reid, 1993. Why? Because this is what I do, research. 1993, 24 years ago, on the Senate floor, cut 13, go. If making it easy to be an illegal alien isn't enough, how about offering a reward for being an illegal immigrant? No no sane country would do that, right? Guess again. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child, we reward that child with U.S. citizenship and guarantee a full access to all public and social services this society provides. And that's a lot of services. Is it any wonder that two-thirds of the babies born at taxpayer expense at country, county-run hospitals in Los Angeles are born to illegal alien mothers? Just when the American people think nothing can be more absurd than the way we deal, or rather don't deal with illegal immigration, they discover that we have a political asylum system that would qualify us for, the, for Senator Proxmire's Golden Fleece Award a thousand times over. I don't know why he didn't make this award. He should have. Last year, more than 100,000 people showed up in this country, landing at our airports, washing up on our shores in leaky boats, crossing our borders illegally, overstaying their visas, saying two magic words, political asylum, and virtually assured themselves of being allowed to remain in the United States forever. Anyone, no matter how specious the claim, can utter those words and usually within a matter of hours be released on their own recognizance onto the streets of our country with a promise that they'll show up for a hearing 18 months later. Can anyone really say they're surprised that the vast majority of asylum applicants never, ever show up for these hearings? It's incredible, isn't it? This isn't ancient history. This is modern history. This is the Democrat Party just two decades ago. And they decided, why, why are we fighting this? We should embrace this. We should promote this. We should exploit this. We can bring more people here. We can bring more people here and register them eventually as Democrats. We can bring more people. Keep something in mind, because you'll hear it said all the time. Most of these people aren't citizens. You know, they don't get to vote. Uh, Even put aside illegal voting. What they don't tell you is, 
that in terms of, of uh, determining our congressional districts, the Census Bureau counts illegal aliens. Illegal aliens are people. So they argue that the number of people in the district, not the number of citizens, that the number of people in the district, they argue, under the Constitution, is how you determine the number of people in a congressional district. You see what I'm saying? So this benefits the Democrats, particularly in these heavy blue states. New Jersey especially, California especially, and other states. More Harry Reid, 1993, cut four, go. Not only do we admit more than these 100,000 people each year without knowing who they are or why they came, we actually give them all the documents they need to simply disappear into our society. Where I live in Washington, the suburb of Washington, is near the CIA. And there, if you drive down Dolly Madison Boulevard, they have now people placed there, a little memorial for the people that were gunned down earlier this year by a man by the name of Mur Emil Kanzi who is the person that they've been hunting for, a Pakistani citizen, in the murder of these CIA employees earlier this year. He entered the United States illegally, lived here for a year as an illegal alien, obtained Stop. a new... Have you ever heard a Democrat, well, have you heard a Democrat in the last seven, eight years go to the Senate floor and talk about an illegal alien who has murdered an American citizen? It's a rare occasion, isn't it? Go ahead. He claimed to fear, and yet he was still able to show up at an INS office in Virginia and file a claim of political asylum. Was this guy given a quick hearing and sent home? No. He got work authorization, a Social Security card, a driver's license, and the ability to obtain an AK-47 assault rifle and gun down CIA workers. One more, Harry Reid on the floor of the Senate, same speech, 1993, cut 15, go. All polls show Americans want lower levels of immigration and the border secure. This includes majorities of Latinos, 65% of whom believe there are too many immigrants. The American people, Mr. President, are upset. I think they have a right to be upset, but they're upset for a reason. Our immigration policies regulating all aspects of entry to the right, United States. Let's stop. States. You get you get the drift. Now, about an hour ago, Lindsey Graham was on the Fox News Channel. I want you to compare what he says to what Harry Reid said just a little over two decades ago. Cut sixteen. Go. Those folks are not too happy, Senator Graham. <laughs> well, that's okay. Uh, those folks don't have to solve problems. The president does. He's got to work for, with Democrats to fix problems like immigration. They don't. They're pretty much outliers when it comes to where the American people are. 62% of the Trump voters support a pathway to citizenship. Now, stop. There you go. This guy's going to, he's a pirate. He'll keep repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. It'll never be challenged. So now, you all are outliers. You all who agree with Barbara Jordan, Bill Clinton, Harry Reid, Donald Trump, and truly the vast majority of the American people who oppose open borders. Now you're an outlier. He might as well call you a deplorable. Go ahead. 
that kids if you secure the border we're not going to have a deal without a wall component you need a wall component i didn't ask for a wall component did somebody ask for a wall component what happened to the biggest most beautiful tallest wall the world has ever seen 40 feet high maybe i'll make it 50 feet high 10 feet wide all across the southern border paid by the mexican government well now we're going to have a wall component mark you don't understand this is four levels of chess. What the hell's wrong with you? Go ahead. Did a fabulous job of talking about this problem. He did it uh, in a smart way. Let's just way. stop. How was it a fabulous job? I mean, other than the politics of it. What was a fabulous job? That I'll sign anything you guys send me? What was the fabulous job? This guy can barely contain himself. He's so excited about what he heard. Lindsey Graham. Go ahead way and uh, you know uh, his job is not to, to sell books his job is not to carry a TV show his job no, is no, no. his job is what you're Lindsay Lindsey Graham lies to the people of South Carolina what's Lindsey Graham's job to be on the public payroll for the rest of his life to be a senator the rest of his life maybe you ought to come out here in the private sector rather than condemning it all the time and try it out Maybe he ought to move to a border community and see how that's working out. He'll never do any of these things. He's a genius. He's from Washington, D.C. He's here to help us. Go ahead. Then he's got to work with Democrats. And I was proud of my president yesterday. Of course you were. Cut 17. Go. I mean, I think everybody who listens to you can completely understand the task that you all have at hand. Um, and I think whenever anyone runs for president, they tend to run, you know, sort of with, with a stronger stance on certain issues. And then when they hit the reality of getting things done, um, right. as this president seems to want to do, it changes a bit. But it's very interesting when you look back. Let's at some just of the stop here. Just notice how the ground keeps moving. The passive defenses keep being asserted. The, the odd justifications being made. This president is sounding on this issue more and more like Jeb Bush. I mean it. Remember when Jeb Bush talked about love in this context, Mr. Producer, and everybody was mocking him? This is about love, he said. Which is exactly what the president said yesterday. And by the way, I'm conducting this program, conducting myself. Here we have the biggest national forum at this time of the day and evening so that we can do what we need to do to pull the president back and get this thing centered again. I'm not going to just dance across the stage like all these frauds telling you everything's great, it's just the beginning and so forth and so on. The time to get involved is just the beginning. The time to get involved is now. Let's finish, Graham. Go ahead. Campaign. Uh, Jeb Bush was the one who talked about it being an act of love, <laughs> and he was, he was lambasted by the president. Watch yeah. what was posted by the Trump campaign during the campaign. Yes, they broke the law, but it's not a felony. It's kind of the, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an act of love. All right, let's stop right there. i got to take a break. I'm not done. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Lindsay, 
Lindsay, Lindsay, Lindsay, come home. Uh, Lindsay Goober Graham in a moment. You know, Joe Arpaio has done something very, very stupid. He's 85 years old. Now he's announced he's going to run for the Senate in the Republican primary. So he'll split the vote with the other conservative there, Kelly Ward. And guess who will slip through with a minority of the vote? A congresswoman by the name of McSally. Now, I've supported McSally to win her seat against a Democrat. But she is the exact kind of Republican Mitch McConnell wants. She's a Lindsey Graham Republican. Why do conservatives do this? I don't get it. Why do they do it? Is there really going to be any difference between a Kelly Ward and Joe Arpaio vote when it comes down to uh, substantive and significant issues? We lose these conservative states. South Carolina should have conservatives in the United States Senate. Arizona should have conservatives in the United States Senate. If we can't get conservatives out of these states, we're not going to get many conservatives out of any states. I'll be right back. It's true that Mark Levin is the fastest growing radio show in America. The Mark Levin Show is on at 877-381-3811. I'm no fan of Google and its left-wing politics and how it abuses its uh, significant position in the marketplace. But the idea that the government should step in, as our buddy Tucker Carlson is arguing now, is preposterous. You can go on the Internet now and you can find multiple competing sites with Google. They're small, but so what? You don't have to use Google. You could have a campaign of people who use competing sites. That's where the focus should be. It's not a libertarian, conservative, ideological issue. It's reality. I don't want the government touching the Internet as little as possible. That's what happens in these fascistic regimes under the notion of equality and fairness and, uh, and justice and, and equal time and all the rest of it. Any more than I want the government interfering with conservative talk radio. There are competing sites with Google. Use them. There are many other search engines. Use them. And we can still criticize Google. We don't have to use Google. And we can argue against Google and their left-wing tactics. I'm all for that. But don't use Google. Use something else. I use other search engines. I try not to use Google. It's not the only place to go for a search engine. There are many. Go on the Internet. They're right there. That's the great thing about the Internet. It's like saying, I'm sick and tired of ExxonMobil. Then don't use their gasoline. Use another company. Plenty of other gasoline or oil companies. Why do we have to sound like leftists, in my humble opinion? Well, that's a libertarian thing. It's not a libertarian thing. That's what makes this country wealthy and prosperous and free and all these other things. The government does the opposite. I mean, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. And think about this, too, if you would. Here's a great New Year's resolution. Resolve right here, right now, that January is the month and 2018 is the year you stop living in fear of the Internal Revenue Service. Resolve right now to stop worrying if today is the day the IRS shows up at work. Resolve to stop lying awake at night, worrying about how you'll provide for your family. 
after the IRS garnishes your wages and freezes your bank accounts. Turn your resolution into reality and call the number one tax resolution firm, Optima Tax Relief. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are good people, people with families, homes, savings, and paychecks that need protection, which explains how they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for their clients, and they're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Plus, these guys are experts in helping their clients take advantage of the Fresh Start Initiative. Look, perhaps the biggest tax break the IRS has ever offered. Give yourself the gift of resolution this year. That should be your resolution. Call the experts that I trust at Optima Tax Relief. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. This is part of the problem. People project their beliefs in justice and equality and egalitarianism and fairness on top of private entities, and they demand that those private entities comport with their viewpoint. Well, I prefer a different approach. Competition. Go to the competition. Google is not a monopoly. It's the biggest guy in town, but it is not a monopoly. And to the extent it is as big as it is, it's because so many of us use it. And I say I use less, use it less and less. There's Bing. There's other alternatives. They're there. Go ahead and use them. Rather than demanding that we fix this and change this and so forth and so on. Indeed, the entire Internet, all of social media, cable news, satellite channels, you look at uh, radio, all the competition that exists so far. No thanks to government. Why don't people understand this who are in positions of power? All right, back to Lindsey Graham. He wasn't finished with his answer. He wasn't finished with his, uh, his answer. Let's finish with Cut 17. Go. Green has said, love, forget love. It is time to get tough. So, so has the president given away too much already in this negotiation? And where is this whole thing headed? I think his uh, hope is headed to phase one, where we get border security uh, for uh, the DREAM Act, uh, the DACA kids. Had I, I, I just don't understand how he gets away with this. A law was passed by Congress in 2006 to secure the border. They wouldn't fund it. Did Lindsey Graham lead the charge day in and day out to fund the border security? No. The way he leads for the argument for amnesty for illegal aliens? No. So who has led the fight to pay for that 2006 statute? Nobody. Nobody. Has it been attached to an appropriation bill? No. Has it been attached to a budget bill? No. Has it been attached to anything? No. Attach it to funding for Planned Parenthood. Will they do that? No. Why not? We're going to listen to this snake oil salesman some more? Who's selling what, Lindsay? Go ahead. That we end the diversity lottery like the president uh, claims uh, demands, and he's right to demand it, that we start breaking chain migration, that we get a deal that represents where the American people Let's are. Stop. Notice he keeps talking that we start breaking the lottery diversity program. How do you start breaking it? Eliminate it. That you start, he's already, you see, this is, look, they're just positioning themselves. Well, it's early on in the process, you know, Mark. This is the way it works. It's early on in the process. No, it's not. We're very late in the process. We're decades late. Go ahead. 
people support a pathway to citizenship. Overwhelming numbers support uh, border security. I think most people think the, the diversity lottery is kind of crazy. This president is no longer a candidate. He's the president of all of us. You can't get this problem fixed without working with Democrats. You need 60 votes. Is this what Obama thought? Look, I'm no longer a candidate. i got to work with Republicans. Is that the way Obama thought? Is that the way the Democrats think? Hey, look, we're in the Senate now. You know, we, even though we're in the minority, the Republicans, when we were, but we have to work with the president. Is that the way they think? Is that the way they talk? What is this? Go ahead. I saw yesterday was a man who understood the issue, was in command of the room, listened. What he saw yesterday, if we're honest with ourselves, was a man who agrees with him. That's what he saw yesterday. That's what you all saw yesterday. All the spin aside. That's what you saw yesterday. That's why you hear all the excuses from the pom-pom boys and girls and all the rockets. They don't have the courage. They don't have the integrity. They don't have the principles to stand up and speak the truth and try and bring the president back on this. That's what we're trying to do, I'm trying to do, and, and millions of you are trying to do. We want him to succeed. We want the country to succeed far more than Chuck Schumer, Dianne Feinstein, and quite frankly, Lindsey Graham. Go ahead. It's going to take this country to a solution. For 10 years, I've been working on this. Obama tried. Just because they get a deal doesn't mean it's a solution, ladies and gentlemen. It means it's a deal. They're two completely different concepts a deal and a solution. Lindsey Graham is the least qualified person to talk about a solution. But he'll be happy to talk about a deal. Go ahead. Bush tried it, couldn't do it. Donald Trump will be the president that can do it. He's got credibility on the border security issue that nobody else has. Why does he have credibility in the border security issue? Because that's what he campaigned on. And the key is that he not lose it. And I see put out a tweet last hour, maybe in response to this program. I know he and the family listen, and I'm glad. I'm very respectful of them as they are of me. And the tweet essentially said, look, uh, I said, I thought I made it clear, DACA comes with a border wall. What's not clear is what you mean by that, a border wall, and what we mean by your resolution of DACA. And you said you're going to leave it to Congress to figure it out and send it to you. Most of us have dealt with this Congress, like Lindsey Graham, and we don't trust them. And you didn't trust them before. And when you also said, Mr. President, look, I'm just pointing it out, you said it. Whatever they send you, you're going to sign. That sent a chill down many of our spines. Go ahead. He does have compassion in his heart for these kids. We're going to get a good deal. Under That's the his- other thing Lindsey Graham does. He sounds like a leftist. We all have compassion in our hearts for all kids, including our own. And many of these people aren't kids. Many of them are in their 20s and 30s. They're not kids. So Mark Warner said, you know, 97% of them go to school or serve in the military. Kids don't serve in the military. And again, I corrected it. 900 of multi-millions actually serve in the military. And I'm happy with accommodating them. I really am. But that's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Go ahead. Leadership and the difference between being a radio talk show host and a TV personality and president is that as president, you've got to solve problems. Hmm. 
And Lindsay's good at solving problems, isn't he, folks? For 10 years he's been working on this. We have different roles, Goober. You want to get elected to the Senate, be on the public payroll, and collect your public pension, and get your public health care, exempt yourself from Obamacare, exempt yourself from Social Security, and exempt yourself from the border states. A lot of us on radio, we deal with people all over the country. We know more about what's going on in this country through these programs than you could possibly know. Than you could possibly know. We not only speak to our audience, our audience speaks to us. And why does Lindsey Graham go on TV or radio if he keeps mocking them? Because he's a publicity hound, that's why. He's a publicity hound. So here we are once again, next administration, dealing with Lindsey Graham. Dealing with Lindsey Graham. Joe, Green Bay, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Go. Hey, Mark. It's a great honor to speak with you, not only as an educator on air, but as a a well-respected book author. I love your books, and you deal with this chapter. Well, here, I think I'm going to send some of my books to Lindsey Graham so he can actually educate himself. Go right ahead, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I I own Liberty and Tyranny, and in Chapter 9 you open up with this, how they talk about comprehensive immigration reform and... uh, this, they use the language, this is a nation of immigrants and, and compassion. But w- what you don't hear about is compassion for us. They don't you know what, sir? I want to tell you something I said at CPAC. Maybe it was three or four years ago, I don't recall, which has really been a phrase you've now heard others say. <clears throat> but it was the first time it was said when I gave the speech at CPAC. There's no such thing as a nation of immigrants. We are a nation of citizens. A nation exists for its citizens, and its citizens create the nation and the civil society. You can't be a nation of immigrants. You're a nation of citizens. And the nation exists for the citizens. It doesn't exist for the would-be alien, legal or illegal. It exists for the citizens. Our representatives exist for the citizens. Our Constitution exists for the citizens. Our military exists for the citizens. Our police forces exist for the citizens. We are the country. Countries aren't inanimate objects. We are the citizens of this country, and this country belongs to the citizens. Go right ahead, sir. Uh, yes, sir. And, and, and we also are a nation of laws. And Apparently not. According according to these black robe bums, these rogue judges, I call them black robe bums, uh, who usurp the the law and and twist it to their political liberal ideology, uh, they they go against us people. So they they go against the citizenry in this country. And they destroy their uh, their authority. I I would ask this question. Thank you for your call, Joe. Much appreciated. I, I would ask a liberal judge this question, a progressive judge. If you are not going to faithfully follow the Constitution, why should the rest of us faithfully follow your orders and your decisions? We take an oath in this country, those of us who do, given your jobs, whether you're in the military, to the Constitution, not to judges, and not to their opinions. And I asked this question of men in black many, many, many years ago. And the question is, if these 
progressive activist judges are not going to follow the Constitution. Why should the rest of us follow the rulings of progressive activist judges? If the rule of law is dead, it's dead, including for them. I'll be right back. You know, ladies and gentlemen, 2018 is here. We always want to look our best, don't we? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it's time to look your best. Look younger than ever, than you ever have in years, and it's guaranteed. It's easy with the brand-new Genesol treatment for droopy eyes. You know, Mary from Fort Collins, Colorado. I don't believe everything I hear, she said. So she tried this eye lift. She tried it on, she said, her right eye. The next day at work, everybody said my right eye looked better. I couldn't believe it. Yes, all the saggy lines in your eyelids disappear. This breakthrough eyelid treatment is yours free with your order of Genesel for bags and puffiness. Plus, you'll also get Genesel immediate effects for your 12-hour results. Just go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. Or better yet, call 800-SKIN-604, their toll-free number. 800-SKIN-604. Gets even better, you know. Uh, order in the next 20 minutes, and you'll get two more classics. You'll get the uh, Esotique RF Collagen Builder and Deep Firming Serum free. Now, during Chamonix's amazing New Year's sale, you'll get the best-selling Laysen's Neck Treatment. Call now, upgrade to express shipping for free. That's six free gifts, but you got to call them. 800-SKIN-604. Supplies are running out, so you need to hurry. 800-SKIN-604. 800-SKIN-604, or go to Genesel.com. Well, hello. Let's take a few more calls as we round up the show. By the way, a great Levin TV tonight. You know, on Monday, we spent the show talking about impeachment, uh, discussing what the Constitution says, briefly the history behind it, and the attempts uh, that are being made to create a, an environment to impeach the president, which is of enormous concern to me. And tonight's show, we're talking about the 25th Amendment, what the Constitution says, a very brief history behind that, and the campaign behind that, which is really an impeachment campaign, but how it relates to the 25th Amendment. So I think you're going to find the program extremely important and informative. Let us go to, let's see, David in Glenridge, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Mark. Uh, in place of amnesty, why don't we give DREAMers a head start as part of the RAISE Act? For example, using cotton-produced 100-point merit-based system... Give Slow down. Them, Doing what? Using, using what? Cotton, using the 100-point merit-based system. Okay, yeah. Give, give DREAMers like a 25-point head start. And let them go through the same front door as everybody else who wants to come to America and immigrate here. Well, I guess they're not going through the same front door as everybody else. You're giving them a 25-point head start. True. But we need to compromise. Here's my attitude about this, seriously. We'll know they're serious when they start appropriating monies to build physical barriers on the southern border where they can be built. I mean, super-duper physical barriers. The Israelis know how to do it. The Hungarians know how to do it. I can't believe American workers don't know how to do it, and they do. It's just the the lack of will in Congress among our political elite. That's number one. Let them abolish chain migration that they put in place in a statute in 1965. Do it. 
Number three, let them abolish the lottery migration that you and I talked about before anybody else. Do those three things, then we'll have a discussion about DACA. Then we'll have a discussion about DACA. But do those three things. They're not going to do it. Thank you for your call, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute all the heroes out there, and I'll see you tomorrow right here behind the microphone. God bless you.